Blog Talk Radio. Accompanied by the U.S. Marine Band. Following the national anthem, please remain at your place while the presidential party exits the platform. of the Urban Wire <clears throat> brought to you by the Urban Coalition Freelance Writers where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. Tonight we just wanted to come in and do a quick broadcast um, covering the historical 
and second, um, inauguration of the President of the United States, uh, Barack Obama. And on this very day, it, what makes it even more special that it fell on uh, the national, nationally observed holiday of Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King um, Jr. Uh, day, and we just really wanted to come in and just kind of like, you know, go over some of the highlights of the inauguration and just talk about, you know, uh, just kind of reflect on the whole entire ceremony and pretty much discuss the challenges and some of the things that uh, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama has to, um, you know, work on during the next four years and stuff of that nature. So online, I do believe we have Michael Snyder. Hello. You there? Hey, good evening. How are you? Uh, Very good, very good. And yourself? And I believe we also. I believe you also have Kane online, uh, 393. Yep. All right. I just want to welcome you guys to the show. Um, we kind of want to uh, do this show really quick. Um, I kind of planned on, you know, kind of a last minute thing. I kind of thought about it, you know, during the upcoming weeks. So I just wanted to just go ahead and um, do this show tonight. Um, did you guys get to watch any of the um, the inauguration or any uh, – Events like that, or the swearing in, or were you just kind of catching up on that tonight? Or I personally uh, watched the YouTube previews on it because I was uh, not able to watch it on TV today. Okay. I got yeah, up at uh, uh, eleven o'clock and uh, logged in and watched it on Yahoo, uh, the Yahoo broadcast. Well, I watched what I could before I had to start working. But I kept it on at really low volume and watched everything, the parade and the, the, the dinner and the speeches. I didn't really get to pay much attention after I clocked into work, but I did get to see the speech. And I, and I got to watch the speech, too, because I uh, wasn't able to watch the entire inauguration, but I watched, you know, towards the end of it. And I must say I was very proud of Beyonce. She really sunk her behind off, and she did it with, some class and you know, just a just a very nice um ceremony from you know from what I got to catch but um you just wanna just talk about some of the highlights and some of the quotes. I had this article up from MSN News. I have to uh, find it again because I think I lost it. But pretty much he did a very good job in breaking down some of his um top quotes in uh, in several categories and um and things of that nature. And also we're gonna talk about a couple of controversial things including some of the challenges that um, President Obama has um, to overcome in this upcoming, um, well, with this administration and, you know, this upcoming four years. So, um, yeah, we're going to go to um, a couple of songs. I have to um, find this article, see if I can find again, and just, you know, um, trying to get everything um, situated still. But if you guys want to call in, feel free to call in and listen live at 646-915-8200. Once again, that's 646-915-8200. Or you can check us out. You can log in, um, get a free account on Blog Talk Radio, jump in our um, chat room. Um, Our username is UCOFW, so just jump in, listen to us live. Or if you guys just want to listen to us on the Internet, 
You can um, listen to us, of course, at www.blogtalkradio.com slash UCOFW. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. Um, we're working on some things with that at www.youtube.com slash UCOFW. Um, get on there, rate, subscribe to our videos, um, listen to some of our excerpts from our show, and um, trying to see what else we have going on. And we also have a Facebook group page where you can join on and get our um, uh, updates to our show. You can get, you know, the show times and the listings of uh, when we're going to be on air. Um, you can do that as well. Just look us up under the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers or UCOFW. And, uh, Michael, do you have anything going on? Or, Kane, do you guys have anything going on um, that you would like to mention? Not currently, myself. Okay. Nope, you got nothing. any uh, things you're working on right now? Not really. Nothing to. Uh, not, nothing really special to mention. <laughs> Just okay. normal life. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I also just want to uh, say that this is a very special day. Uh, like I mentioned, I believe already that uh, this inauguration fell on um, the Dr. Martin Luther King Day. Uh, I just think it's a very very um I don't I don't really think it's a coincidence. I just I think that uh I think it's wonderful that we celebrated this day with the inauguration of President Barack Obama and just just seeing how far we've came we've come as a country as far as uh race relations and just just as far as like we came we, we got a long way to go but just just the progress we have made as far as um, social, our social climate in this country, and I just think this was a, a very, very special and appropriate way to bring in that um, this special holiday. And um, just looking at um, the photos I've seen from the inauguration, it was just a beautiful crowd, just just very high um, and positive energy from the crowd, and just seeing just how everybody just came together to um, commemorate this special event. So I just really wanted to point that out. And um, that's pretty much it. We're going to jump to a couple songs real quick and get everything together. Then we're going to come back. And also um, we're going to talk about um, this pastor that uh, was supposed to uh, deliver the benediction and how – some news or some information came up on him on how he was very homophobic and he preached um, strongly against the gay community and rallied against gay rights. So we're going to get on that. Um, and pretty much we're going to talk about what challenges lie ahead, like I mentioned. Um, is Barack Obama going to be able to pass some of the things or get some of the things done that he um, and this administration has set forward to do. Um, and pretty much that's what we're going to talk about tonight. If, if you want to call in, you have any comments or whatever, feel free to do so. And um, pretty much we'll be back after these messages. I'm going to see what we got here tonight. We might take it back. We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do a little inspirational thing. Like we're gonna go to church for a little bit tonight. And we're going to go back to, I still have this song on my um, list. 
you know, taking modeling, like technology just makes things so. If okay, we're gonna go back to some "We Shall Overcome" by Bishop Paul S. Morton and the Greater Saint Stephen's Mass Choir. So we're gonna go to that song, and we might throw a little couple more things in there. But after that, we will be back, and we will jump into our discussion this week, this evening.
Yeah, that was a song by Yolanda Adams, Never Give Up. I really like that song. Uh, very inspirational. Um, and um, during the break, I found the story, you know, one of the stories that I want to um, talk about. But before we jump into that, um, this is a story that you might find interesting, uh, Michael, because we talked about this on the show before, mm-hmm. about the Catholic Church and how um, – the, you know, the abuse of uh, scandals and, like, claims that people have made throughout the years. Uh-huh. And um, I guess this story comes from MSN News, and it's entitled, uh, Files Show How L.A. Church uh, Leaders Handled Abuse Claims. And uh, the subtitle of it is, the documents offer a glimpse of some 30,000 pages to be made public as a part of a record-setting $660 million settlement. A judge recently ordered the uh-huh. church to release them without blacking out the names of church higher-ups. Okay, this this story comes out of Los Angeles, um, and it reads as such. Retired Cardinal Roger... Mahoney and other top officials from the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of of Los Angeles maneuvered behind the scenes to shield molester priests, provide damage control for the church, and keep parishioners in the dark, according to church personnel files. The confidential records filed in a lawsuit against the Archdiocese disclosed how the church handled abuse allegations for decades and also reveal dissent from a top Mahoney aide who criticized his superiors for covering up the allegations of abuse rather than protecting children. Notes inked by Mahoney demonstrate he was disturbed about abuse and sent problem priests for treatment. But there also were lengthy um, delays of oversight in some cases. Mahoney received psychological reports on some priests that mention the possibility of many victims, for example, but there is no indication that he or other church leaders investigated further. Quote, this is all intolerable and unacceptable unacceptable to me, unquote, Mahoney wrote in 1991 on a file of the Reverend Lynn Cox, I don't know how to um, pronounce his last name, but it's C-A-F-F-O-E. Anyways, a priest suspected of locking boys in his room, videotaping their crotches, and running up $100 sex phone sex bills while with the boy. Uh, case, I'm going to say Kafoe was sent for therapy and removed from ministry, but Mahoney didn't move to defrock him until 2004, a decade after the archdiocese lost track of him. Quote, he's a sick fugitive from justice, unquote. Mahoney wrote to the Vatican Cardinal Joseph Razinger, who is now Pope Benedict, uh, I speak tonight. Pope Benedict, uh, I believe, uh, I'm not good with Roman news. Sixteenth. Uh, Sixteenth. Okay. A check 
of Social Security Index discloses no report of his demise, but presumably he is alive somewhere, unquote. Uh, Kofoe died in 2009, six years after a newspaper reporter found him working at a homeless mission two blocks from Salinas, um, California, elementary school. Mahoney was out of town but issued a statement Monday apologizing for his mistakes and saying that he had been, quote, unquote, naive about the lasting impacts of abuse. He has since met with 90 abuse victims privately and keeps an index card with each victim's name in his private chapel where he prays for them daily, he said. The card also includes the names of the molesting priest. Quote, lest I forget the real priest uh, created this appalling harm. Unquote. Quote, it remains my daily and fervent prayer that God's grace will flood the heart and souls of each victim and that their life journey continues forward with even greater healing. Unquote. Mahoney wrote, I am sorry. The church sex abuse policy was evolving, and Mahoney inherited some of the worst cases in his predecessor, uh, from his predecessor when he took over in 1985. J. Michael Hennigan, an archdiocese attorney, said um, in a separate series of emails, priests were sent out of state for psychological treatment because they were revealed more when their therapists were not required to report child abuse to law enforcement as they were in California, he said. At the time, clergy were not mandated um, sex abuse reporters, and the church let the victim's families decide whether to contact the police, he added. Um, In at least one case, a priest victimized the children of illegal immigrants and threatened to have them deported if they told the foul show. The files were attached to a motion seeking punitive damages in the case involving a Mexican priest sent to Los Angeles in 1987 after he was brutally beaten in his parish south of Mexico City. When parents complained, the Reverend Nicholas Aguilar Rivera molested children in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, I'm sorry. Church officials told the priest, but waited two days to call the police, allowing him to flee. Allowing him to flee to Mexico, the court papers allege. At least 26 children told the police they were abused during his 10 months. During his 10 months in Los Angeles, the now defrocked priest is believed to be in Mexico and remains a fugitive. And it goes on to say, the personnel files of 13 other clerics were attached to the motion to show a cover-up pattern, said attorney Anthony DeMarco, who represents a 35-year-old plaintiff. In one instance, a memo to Mahoney discusses sending a cleric to a therapist who is also an attorney. So any incriminating evidence is protected from authorities by lawyer-client privilege. In another instance, archdiocese officials paid a secret salary to a priest exiled in, to, the, to the Philippines after he and six other clerics were accused of having sex with a teen and impregnating her. 
The exhibits after um, I'm sorry, the exhibits offer a glimpse of some thirty thousand pages to be made public as of a part of, of a record setting six hundred and sixty million dollar settlement. The archdiocese agreed to give the files to more than five hundred victims of the priest abuse in two thousand seven, but a lawyer for the thirty for about thirty of the priests fought to keep the record sealed. A judge recently ordered to offer the church to release them without blacking out the names of the church higher-ups. Uh, let's see. I'm going to skip this. This is a very long article. Um, let's see. We'll skip on down to... Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to skip down to towards the end. Um, it says one case involved the uh, messenger Peter Garcia, a molester from whom Mahoney's predecessor sent for treatment in New Mexico. Mahoney kept Garcia there after a lawyer warned um, in 1986 that the archdiocese could face quote-unquote severe civil liability. If he returned Returned and reoffended. Garcia admitted admitted to raping an eleven year old boy, and later told the psychologist, uh, psychologist that he molested fifteen to seventeen young boys. Quote: If uh, Garcia were to reappear here within the archdiocese, we might be very well we might very well have some type of legal action in both criminal and civil sectors. Um, let me skip down to the end. Mahoney sent uh, Garcia to another treatment center, but Garcia returned to Los Angeles in 1988 after being removed from the ministry. He then contacted the victim's mother and asked to spend time with her young son, according to a letter in the file. Uh, Mahoney moved to defrock him in 1989, and Garcia died a decade later. So... This pretty much this article further proves uh, the severity and the cold, ugly truth of abuse in the church. Like uh, this, this is not something that you know a few people have stepped up and you know. Said that this has happened to them, and this, you know, it's just like a, a couple isolated instances. This is a this is an epidemic in the Roman Catholic Church, and not just that. It's it's an epidemic in the church. Period. It's an epidemic, not even in in religious institutions. We have a lot of predators that disguise pretty much disguise themselves as wolves in sheep's clothing, and they. And they get in these positions, not because they genuinely genuinely care about children, but they want to pretty much get in there and prey on young kids. It's a sickness of the mind. And we, as a community, especially parents, I'm not a parent, but, you know, the still even be having, like, younger cousins and, and, and things of that nature and and, and 
knowing of people that have young, you know, younger children and stuff like that. We as an, as adults, we have to pretty much have to start calling these people out. And pretty much, parents, you can't just give your child over to anybody. You can't expect everybody to do your job as a parent. You have to um, be responsible. do your job as a parent. Be responsible. Know, know who's watching your children. There's no reason why you can't do some research on somebody that is, that, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you feel about that whole article? Well, me personally, I'm sitting here going, I'm not terribly, unfortunately, I'm not surprised. Unfortunately. Well, where's the accountability? That's my thing. As, I'm reading, as I was reading that, where's the accountability? That's a lot of people covering up stuff. Well, and that's one of the good things. Thank God the court left the name, you know, ordered that the names be listed. Thank God right. for that. Because, you know, if more victims can see this and more victims come forth, you know, and, you know, and this is where I'd say, yeah, people make it about the money. But in this case, you know, psychological counseling is not cheap. And right. if people need to get counseling to help them through some of those things, you know, maybe there's going to be a, a fund there, or money there where they can get it. You know, and they definitely, first and foremost, before anything else, they should offer that to the individuals that had to go through that. I'm just hoping and, to hoping to hell that the <laughs> counseling isn't uh, counseling from the church. <laughs> no. No, because the thing about it is, and I hate saying this, and I don't really don't let me wash my mouth. I don't really care what anybody says. Couldn't no church try to cancel me after I was abused in church? You yeah, it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you're not gonna sit there because I'm gonna tell you what they're gonna do. They're gonna make you feel like. Whether they they're not gonna come out and say it, but they're gonna subliminally I can't say that word, but they're gonna indirectly try to make you feel like you were at fault for it, and that you know any any uh, effects of you being molested in your life, they're gonna make it seem like it's your fault. You're a sinner. You're you're this bad person, and I'm sorry. You're not gonna continue the abuse that you set in motion. As far as I'm concerned, so if I if I choose to get professional help and you guys um, offer to let it be, let let me make the choice of who I want to. You know, you know what I'm saying. Don't don't right. tell me who yeah offer this service to me and then gonna tell me that I have to take what you, you. No, it don't work like that. I would hope that it doesn't. I would rest assured that it probably does not work like that. But I. I hope earnestly that it does not. <laughs> in the, you know, couple hundred years ago, you know, even even further back, hundreds of years ago, the Catholic Church didn't give you that option. Um, you know, historically, the Catholic Church has been rather oppressive. I don't want to. If, I, I, uh, if anyone's listening that is Catholic, I, I don't want to. You know, I don't mean to offend you or anything like that. The Catholic Church has done a lot of good things, but in this situation, I think it's a it's. I don't know if it's a case Seneca of 
people that are are systematically sick. I think it's just a case where the the Catholic Church promotes they have an agenda of uh, repression, you know, and um I don't know a whole lot about the Catholic Church, but from what I do know it does seem that they do believe a lot in original sin and that you know that's the whole thing with the the confessionals and and whatnot, and that uh you know they do seem to um, believe that we are just inherently dirty and blah blah blah, and that you have to repress those urges, whether you're homosexual or or whatever you know these so called deviancies. And I think they they bring people in, you know, you know the the Catholic Church. Let's let's look at it. Maybe this is a little sidetrack, but you know the AIDS epidemic in Africa. The Catholic Church still refuses to promote birth protection, such as condoms, etc., which would help deter a lot of the spread of AIDS. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an example of now I have like. Uh, I have seen interviews with a few of the priests in Africa, and a few of them are saying, you know, off the record, use it. <laughs> right, but the official line right, is what right. I'm addressing. And uh, the official line is also back to the whole thing with sexuality, and um, they're recruiting young men into the clergy and they're repressing their sexual urges, and these young men are, you know, they're they're getting confused. Maybe maybe they're homosexual, maybe they're not, but they're you know they're, they're not allowed to get married. They're not allowed to have sexual relations as um, uh, the rest of us are. So I think that's I think that's contributing to this problem. The Catholic Church I think needs to address and, and, and that. That was a point I wanted to bring up too. Do you think that they claim that that um I don't know, like is that is that is that even natural for us as human beings not to be sexual beings? I no, mean it's totally natural for us to be. I mean that's 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 exactly. human nature. That that's every Every animal on this planet Earth, whether it's a reptile, an insect, or a mammal, we want to we want to reproduce. Exactly. So we want to do the other thing, which I probably shouldn't say, you know, but uh, you know, because we're trying to keep this PG. But you know, we want to do that, right? And and I think when you uh, anytime you try to suppress a natural uh, or, or natural function, or just natural uh, tendency. Tendency, that's a good, yeah, better word. I think that you're bound for trouble, pretty much. You know, no. and I think that some um, people I can do it. Result of that, some people can do it, obviously, and some people can't. And those people that can't, they're um, it just gets worse, and that's where it starts to get into deviancy because. You know, they're being told that, oh, your natural tendency is bad, 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 slap you on the wrist. And um, that can lead to problems where we're seeing with the, the sexual abuse of uh, of minors 
in the in the the church. And I can't say I'm an I'm in no way an expert on psychology or anything like this. This is just what I have gleaned from right. what I've read and from my own understanding and whatnot. Yeah, and I think as a side note here to our listeners that are listening in on this, it's not that we are declaring an open season mm-hmm. on the church or on the Catholic Church. No, it's no, by not no means. The that. Catholic Church has done some wonderful things in exactly. a different areas. A lot of churches out there have done a lot of good things for their community, for the people, and I am all for uplifting that. However, you know, these practices and these deviances and these things that have been allowed to go on, you know, are is an abomination to the society we live in and needs to be addressed. And people need to get... And, and they're not biblical, biblically sound, and they're not doctrinally sound. Right. And I think well, there's it's a, time for the Catholic Church to really look at that from a modern-day perspective and start looking at some of these practices that they have and, and, and realize that, hey, it's time for you to align your doctrine and your your practices with modern day society, you know. Well, there's you know, a hypocrisy here. the The church is saying one thing on the one hand, and things are going on on the other hand. That the church is like, oh, we we just yeah. Cannot. On one hand, we're going to hide a pedophile priest, but on the other hand, we're going to admonish and put down consenting adults in a homosexual relationship. But we'll hide the, but we'll hide the baby rapers. You know, what are they trying to say? And that's the, the, the problem that the church has. Covering up that. What what are you doing? You you you're shifting around dysfunction. You you you're shifting around I mean you're just moving around unless you're not addressing the issue. Look for what do you you're moving you moving one negative situation, and you're just shifting it to another place. You're not getting rid of well, the, you know, I don't know. Um, again, I don't know. I am not a Catholic. I was not raised Catholic. I, I, I have Catholic not, friends, really and I, 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 so I know very little about Catholic doctrine. But what I do understand from what I do know, and I could be completely wrong here, but from my perspective and my understanding, it seems that the Catholic Church has had a history of uh, suppression of natural what the way you know human beings naturally want to behave, uh, and um, it's it's become at this point it's become kind of like a like a pathological liar. It's become pathological. And I don't know if that makes much sense to you oh, yeah. guys. It does. Yeah. You know, they didn't like when science started to be- catch on a few hundred years ago. You know, when science started to catch on and started to really make discoveries, they'd put scientists in jail for it. And they didn't put them in jail. They killed them. Well, they did. they done both. <laughs> but, yeah, a lot of times, yeah, they would kill them as well. I just really think, in general, I mean, when we look at the whole um, thing of abuse, we really have to start taking it seriously. And, you know, just because this, I really think that the people that 
or in those positions should be even held more accountable, you know, because you you out of all people are, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, one of the trusted people of society, and you're sitting up here doing that, you know, and you, you out of all people should, should, should be the last person to engage in that type of activity. I guess the so thing I mean, that gets me curious, why is it that the people that hid this and kept this stuff quiet and didn't turn the priests in, you know, why are they not in jail? They're, they're just as guilty. Exactly. Um, can I interject just a little bit of uh, humor in here? I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, the Monty Python skit, a very famous one, but I think maybe it's time for the Catholic Church to realize that they cannot expect the Spanish Inquisition. And they, need, they need to be up on an Inquisition, I think. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, We're going to move right along to our next story here in a few minutes. Um, and speaking of which, did you guys hear about um, the, well, we're kind of, I want to say we're kind of on the same subject, but it's kind of links, kind of a segue into our next story that I wanted to get into before we get into the really good stuff um, about the inauguration. But did you hear about the preacher that was initially um, – going to do the benediction for the inauguration, how um, it was discovered how he had several things on record where he was a strong opponent against gay rights and, like, um, just against the gay community in general. Did you guys hear about that? Yes, I did. I watched the article, watched the YouTube uh, thing on that. Yeah. And what do you guys think about that? I mean, um, as far as like, because um, we're going to get to this clip in a second, but what do you think about uh, people that say that, and first of all, i got to commend Barack Obama for him discovering this and pretty much not allowing someone with this hate-filled past, you know, being allowed to take place, in, you know, in this ceremony. What do you think about the people that sit there and say, well, Obama, the only reason why he was um, pretty much trying to cater to the gay community is so he can get into office and get votes. What do you have to say about that now that we've seen that, okay, he's, he's officially the president now, president president now, but he didn't allow this person to take place, you know, you know, take part in his ceremony. What do you have to say about people that feel that way? I think there's a really – Simple point of logic to point out that will prove that wrong. If he was really doing it just to get votes, and now that he's reelected, he's sworn in, if that was truly the case, then why would he have really cared enough to even remove that guy from doing that benediction? If it was all about the votes and he didn't really care about it, he would have let the guy go ahead and do it. Because really, at this point, he doesn't have to answer to them. Right. He doesn't have to answer to anybody, technically. I mean, very little, because, you know, he's 
second term president, you know, he's got his election done. You know, if it didn't matter to him, why would he have cared? Well, during his first term, he also made statements regarding same-sex marriage and whatnot also. But um, I don't I don't know anything about uh, this person you're, you're speaking about that was originally chosen for the benediction. I don't know anything about that, so I can't really speak to that. Well, we're going to go to a clip really I'm going to see if I can find it. Uh, it's a news clip that I downloaded. Uh, let's see. Okay, at the inauguration was a guy named Louis Giglio. Now, he does some good work. Uh, he is against sex slavery, and in fact, he works really hard to make sure that he catch the people who are doing it. It's a real problem, and I love the fact that he's fighting against it. But at the same time, uh, he had been a vocal opponent of gay rights, and he said the homosexuals had a gay agenda they were trying to go after, and that, th that people need to aggressively fight against them. Now, the tapes of him saying that were revealed uh, when it turned out that he was going to be giving the benediction. And so uh, gay rights groups fought back because these colors don't run. Get it? All right. Okay. So uh, what happened? Well, the gay rights community is one of the very few progressive communities that has a tremendous amount of power. So immediately they got results. Louis Giglio... Welcome uh, to the exit door. It was nice knowing you. You're a goner. They pulled him so quick, I thought he was a progressive. <laughs> That's usually what happens to Obama administration officials if they're actually progressives. And then Fox News attacks them, and Obama goes, okay, okay, okay. Oh, oh don't want to be a distraction. Giglio said, I don't want to be a distraction. I was like, wow, look at progressives with this kind of power. And now we have a new reverend uh, who's going to do the benediction. His name is Reverend Luis Leon. And he is part of a church that is totally open to gay rights. In fact, uh, he's an Episcopal priest. His uh, parish is wealthy, openly welcomes gay members. Uh, they have an openly gay non-celibate priest. They've had gay bishop. And they announced this summer that it w they would bless same-sex partnerships and even ordain transgender priests. How do you like that? Just to rub a little salt in the wounds of the right wing. Oh, transgendered priest! Oh, oh, that hurts! That hurts, dog! Yes. Now that is a complete and utter victory. 
So I had uh, Matthew Breen on the current show. He's the editor for the Advocate. And I asked him, hey, how do we get results like this? And he explained that one out of every five of the top bundlers for President Obama's re-election campaign were gay Americans. That's how you get victories. It doesn't matter if you're progressive. It doesn't matter if you're conservative. Democrat, Republican, straight, or gay. The real color that doesn't run is green. You lay down stacks of green, and all of a sudden the politicians will do exactly what you want. So why does Obama respond to corporate interests, to right-wing interests, and at the same time respond with the same kind of speed and effectiveness for gay rights? It's the money, Lebowski. If you bring the money, they'll do whatever you want. Now, in this case, I agree with them. I don't think we should have a bigoted person who's uh, doing a benediction for a so-called progressive Democratic president or any president. And, of course, the right wing would complain, uh, complain about Reverend Leon, uh, who, of course, is an outrageous liberal who uh, also did the benediction of the equally liberal George W. Bush in 2005. They'll leave that part out. So uh, am I happy that Reverend Leon is in? But yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. He, he has an amazing life story. You know where uh, he uh, actually was baptized? In Guantanamo. Now, he was a young kid in Cuba at the time. He got baptized there, came over here. Uh, the Episcopal Church helped him tremendously, became a priest. He helps others. It's fantastic, right? But the bottom line is, how does politics work in this country? Money. If you have the money, it doesn't matter at all what your ideology is. You will get results. And in this case, the gay rights advocates got results with lightning speed. Almost the only progressive group that can do that. One out of the top five bundlers. You know what those are, right? Those are the guys that take huge amounts of money and bundle them into even larger amounts of money and then ha hand it over to the politicians, in this case, to President Obama. And that money gets your results. All right, we're back. So what do you think about that um, statement? I mean, what do you think about that idea that um, money plays a huge part and whether you get your agenda through or uh, as far as seeing results, what do you feel about that? Do you think that there's some truth behind that? I, I got a I, couple, entirely like, true. I got a couple yeah. things I can say about that. Number one, is anybody going to doubt that money plays a factor in campaigns? No, nobody's going to doubt that. Of course money plays a factor in campaigns because campaigns don't run for free. And if you're going to contribute money, they're going to listen to you. However, in this scenario and in this case, I also think the gay rights advocates, okay, they put in a lot of money to President Obama. Okay, well, if the gay rights advocates have two choices, Obama or Romney, who the hell do you think they're going to give their money to? It's kind of a de facto decision. You know, the, the money is out there. Gay rights activists have been campaigning and doing things for years, but they actually had a viable Democratic candidate that they could put the money into. It's no different than the evangelical right wing dumping their anti-gay money into the Republican Party. It's no different. It's the same thing. So, But we happen to have a president that's in power that isn't, is, obviously is not Republican and not right wing evangelical. So... Is it one of those things where, you know, does the money matter? Well, yeah, sure it does. 
because that's how campaigns are run. But, again, it just kind of seems like a de facto decision. Gay rights? Hmm. Do we want to support Obama or do we want to support Romney? What do you think? Exactly. <laughs> that's the way the politics Unless of America works. Unless you involve cabin Republicans, and we're not going to get into those. Yeah. Money, money talks. I mean, all throughout the summer, if you listen to uh, um, NPR or any uh, any of the other news, maybe not so much um, <clears throat> the more conservative uh, channels, but uh, they all throughout this past summer they concentrated on the super PACs and uh, the 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 effect that the super PACs are having on the the campaign. The super PACs were all about money, you know. Anonymous camp or donations, massive donations to uh, one or the other of the candidates. Money talks. Lobbyists. Lobbying is all about money. You got your 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 lobby for whatever issue you want to pick. They're they're dumping money into these guys standing there on Capitol Hill waiting for whoever whatever representative or senator is on whatever committee waiting to snag them and say and grease their palm yeah and that's you know but either you know they want to complain that you know i think you know in that scenario he's going like well the gay people won big on that one because of the money well if romney was getting sworn in today instead of obama i think that the anti-gay Coalitions out there would be just as prominently touting their own win for the scenario. Yeah, but Romney is such a greasy freaking character, man. If the the Ooh. gay the, the gay lobby had given him enough money, he would have he would have given them some kind of concession. He's he was so greasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know the they said one in the five. You know, okay, twenty percent. You know. If the gay rights people have the money to spend, I think they would probably. It only makes common sense where they're going to put it at, you know. Especially when he and through his entire presidency has been a proponent in favor of gay rights. You know, wouldn't that just be the smart place to put your money at? Exactly. Uh, Well, you know, I, I I must say that I used to think that. You know, back in 2008, I, I had a lot of hopes for Obama, and I, I felt that he truly was a progressive. And now I'm not so sure. I gotta I gotta kind of agree a little bit with uh, uh, Sink Weger on 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 um, the Young Turks that he's a little bit more of a centrist, but I uh, he's definitely. A left-leaning centrist, I, I I believe, but I I'm not so sure that he's quite the progressive. I mean, I I I got to keep it real. You know, I just gonna say I I don't think he is as progressive as people originally thought he was. Right. No, I don't think so. I mean, look at this thing. You know, the the whole the negotiations over the uh, the the so-called fiscal cliff. Man, he caved on some stuff. He, wrote, he didn't have to. He didn't have to do that. And I mean, he, he's on his last four it. years. He he doesn't have another. He doesn't have another chance of being a pre- president. This is his last chance. He could have stonewalled those guys. Baby, yeah, he could have let them have it. He could have, yeah. Uh, uh-uh. uh. 
we should have gone over the we should have gone over the cliff and let the Republican Party and the conservatives take the blame. Should have done that. We should have done that. Yeah. Well, I know that you know. In spite of their things that they supposedly say that they made progress on with a fiscal cliff, I don't know about you, but I think the rest of us out there that are actually working are bringing home paychecks that are a little bit smaller than they used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Americans, we pay the lowest taxes out of, you know, compared to European nations, we pay taxes so much lower than that. And look at um, uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, I can't remember his name. He's an actor, but also an economist, a a conservative Republican economist. He was in that movie uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What what is that guy's name? He 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 was interviewed on Fox a number of months ago, and he came out in in support of higher taxes, and he pointed out statistically. We are paying lower taxes today than our parents and our grandparents did. And our parents and our grandparents were enjoying a much stronger and robust economy. I mean, look at what I look can at agree the with Clinton, that. And I look can at the see Clinton the logic. Period. Nah. It wasn't that long ago that during Bill Clinton's presidency, we had higher taxes, more. Um, oversight and whatnot, and the economy was strong. President Bush comes in, slashes taxes, all this stuff. We go to crap. But I think there's another – The economy craps out. There's another aspect of this whole picture, though, that they are forgetting to look at. Statistically, you're correct. You are. But I think that one of the things that people are forgetting is – Compared to the European countries, do we pay less? Oh, absolutely, we do. But our structure is also different than theirs. Our structure is different. How we do things is different than what theirs are. And we have so many things that are different. And as the time has evolved, the tax rates may be comparatively lower if you compare the cost of living then to now. But one of the other aspects that's not being considered is as things have evolved and shaped, those haven't been taken into consideration where the squeezes were put on the people either. Right. Um, America is one of the most industrialized and one of the richest countries in the world. And as one of probably, you know, very possibly the richest country in the world, we still have the highest poverty rate for such a rich country. Mm-hmm. Why is that? We, our political and social structure is not allowing that to be reformed, and mm-hmm. people are voting against their own interest. You've got people that are in the the lower brackets, you know, the you know, poverty class and lower middle class, middle class that are voting against their own interests, and all because of these stupid ideologies about socialism and communism and everything. And they don't realize we have socialist structures in place in our government. What is social security? That is socialism. It is not a harm to your – there is not a threat to your uh, your civil liberties. 
the police. That is a social structure that is provided as a public good through your taxes. You want your taxes lowered? Fine. Okay, we'll get fewer cops. So when something happens, your your security is threatened, you're going to have to wait a little longer for a police officer to show up because there aren't enough cops to go around. Your your house catches on fire. There's not enough fire firemen or equipment to fight that fire because you wanted lower taxes. Uh your your grandmother is sick with diabetes. You don't have enough money to buy insurance. Medicaid is is a cut. We need higher taxes. I don't mind paying higher taxes. I do not have a problem with that if it also means that our social and public goods are going to be improved. If you go to if you take a country like Sweden, for example, Sweden has an extremely high tax rate. The people that are gainfully employed, they are paying very high taxes. And they don't mind because they know if if they lose their job and they go on the dole, they are still going to be able to buy a loaf of bread and a and a, you know, piece of meat or whatever and make a sandwich they're still going to be able to pay the rent because the government's going to take care of them until they get a job again. In America, we call that, you know, we have so many people saying, "Oh, that's socialist, that's communist." And it's like like socialism is such a bad word. It's not. Socialism means we take care of each other. We're giving the government permission to uh deduct some resources from our own paychecks or whatever so that we can spread it around and help each other out. And uh, this is this is just something that drives me nuts. I, I see no problem with paying yeah, a little I mean, extra. I mean, and to me, I just think it's because you adapt or adopt, not adapt, but if you adopt um, a certain idea, or ideas from other, you know what I'm saying, other countries or people that are quote-unquote not capitalistic societies like ours, that automatically makes us like, it's like you said, these evil socialists that are trying to do away with democracy and like the whole American idea of doing things. And I don't think that that's necessarily... The truth all the time Like he said I, I have noticed I hate saying this But I've seen how a lot of Some of those other countries Do that And I said man That, that would be nice Yeah you know Socialism like, does not equate with An well, undemocratic society I think one of the society. biggest there too Is that You know What I said earlier We're different And in this In this case You know Where they have Safeguards and things in place To assist more of their people the ideology and the thinking processes and all that is what changes us and makes us makes us different to where we can't have those types of services to provide to people because the political game here is structured entirely different. Right, you're going back to something like what Mitt Romney, that uh, 
famous quote that was uh, snuck out of that speech that from that little dinner where he was talking about how the 40% or whatever people are just uh, on the game, you know, trying to, you know, game the system and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that's yeah, just, uh, again, that's just, uh, you know, the one one or two percent uh, at the top of uh, the American society, their uh, perception of people. And, yeah, there are some people that are taking advantage, but uh, that's not, uh, not completely true. I, mean, I don't think it's. But I mean, there are a significant portion of people in America that really do need help. Yeah. Um, And you know, they're you know, for whatever reason, they were not able to achieve a uh, a a significant level of education to allow them to um, get a good job. You know, they. Uh, for you know what's reason. funny about education? Like, cause there's a whole lot of educated people, and there's a whole lot of people with college degrees, and you know, people that have bachelor degrees, masters, even doctorates, and and they can't even find. Well, I know that's there's true. People that have had to take I, I, for years. Time. I was, you know, I I'm a I'm a college graduate, and for years I I wallowed in working at a gas station or a restaurant or whatever. But um but even still, I mean uh, there needs to be social programs to help people to you know, achieve their potential. And also we we also need these um we need to uh, bring some jobs back to uh, these shores, and we need social programs that are also going to achieve that. You know, such as you know programs that are going to explore. Um, uh, one thing that uh, uh, President Obama has been criticized extensively about was the uh, that. Uh, Natural Resource Program. I forget the name of the company that he uh, was promoting uh, that failed. Do you guys remember the name? Solandra or Solandra? Right. Yeah, they failed. Um, We need to support things like that. But I don't think, and I don't know, I could be wrong. I'm certainly not an economist or a specialist in that arena. But I think until the system... Changes, and by that I'm going to say the political system, you know, because obviously how it's structured and how it works, that might have worked when you founded the country, but it's not working today. And until that system changes and decides to get a different ideology instead of greasing their palms and going for all these, you know, instead of letting the almighty dollar instead of cents and logic and good planning drive the system. They're letting money drive the system. Until that will change, you probably will not see this country make gigantic leaps and bounds. Instead of you know, like you said, people want to be stuck on the past. They don't want to. They don't want to evolve. They don't want to change. They say, oh, we got to stick to original constitution 
we can't we can't sway from that at all. We can't. I mean, even when you look at this issue of gun control, we have to realize that things change and things evolve. And I think that the Constitution should be an evolving document that keeps up with the time. And I'm not saying take away from it, but as times change, we need to kind of evolve and kind to uh, and kind of like make sure that that document or anything like that is is relevant to the times. Oh, exactly. Definitely. That's, that's the, how I feel. Maybe I'm so-called... wrong for that. And I'm, maybe I'll get attacked for that, but that's just how I feel. Oh, the, the so-called Bill of Rights. It it says that we have these certain rights, but history has shown us that we've had to, you know, the Bill of Rights is an ideological statement, but throughout our our history as an as a country, the United States of America, we've had to fight for every single one of those rights, mm-hmm. and those rights have had to have been. We've had to change them, modify them, and uh, uh, number two, that's one of the big ones right now that we're working on, that this country is arguing over, it's got to be changed. We're in a a different time. Number two was written over 200 years ago under different circumstances than what we have now, and there's really no reason why we've talked about this on a couple other uh, broadcasts uh, in the past, you know, past month or two, you know, that, that's still something I think that really needs to be re-examined. It just does not apply to 21st century America. It doesn't. It's not, I'm not saying, no American can have a gun. We just need to change it so that uh, you know it fits today's society, and uh, and and there are some people who are so resistant to that change that uh, you know they think it's government or Big Brother or something. It's like it's just not the case. That's not what's going on. And for people to deny that we need to look at that, that's just, for me, that's first of all, straight ignorance. And, and it's straight, I don't even want to say arrogance, it's just, it's straight, it's, it's, it's you, that's not, that's just straight stupidity. Because you, I mean, just looking at all the stuff that's been taking place around us in the past, I don't even want to say two years, but the past year, six months, you know, for us not to even question or even, you know, begin to at least have the dialogue of, like, do we need, where, where do we need to go from here? Like, is there something that we can do or is there something or change that we need to make um, after seeing all these incidents occur? You know, people that, you know that that's just stupidity. You know, it's such a pitiful statement on American society that it takes 20 children being killed in their in their elementary school for us to finally really start seriously considering this. Right. It is that is so such a sad it's statement right. on our society. This yeah. should have, this should have been something that happened 
10, 15 years ago when the first school shooting happened. You know, and like I, I, I put this, um, you know, I put this out there on Facebook earlier this week. I put out there, it's a shame that we as a society, we have more uh, regards over gun rights versus human rights. We we care more about uh, gun rights and its control in this in this country more than the rights of human beings, and. And for me, it just seems like to me it just seems like if, if it's nothing, if 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 it doesn't have anything with people's Medicare, food stamps, public assistance, or anything like that being taken care, of, these people don't know what's going on in the world around them. They don't care about anything else. But if you start taking away from them, you start taking their government benefits away from them, you start taking their gun rights from them. You know, especially these these I'm not gonna talk I'm not talking I'm not gonna talk about Indiana like this, but that's just how they are here. They they don't care about anything else. If it doesn't have anything to do with welfare and food stamps and uh Medicare or Medicaid or gun rights, they don't care about it. They don't they do not care about it. That that's just how backwards the state is and it just seems like we do not care about basic human life. That 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 gets put on the back burner. You see what I'm saying? But that's just how I feel. Hello? Yep. We don't care. We just we just don't care. And people are making this gun rights issue into something that is not. It's ridiculous how this president has been disrespected and has been it, it, no other president has been disrespected to the degree that Barack Obama has been disrespected. They've called this man a socialist. I mean, I, just the things I've seen on Facebook. These people ought to be ashamed of themselves. And they, and to me, you are un-American. You disgust me. You make yeah. me sick. That whole birther movement. That was. That's just another example of one of the ultimate disrespects towards our president. People disgust me that you sit here and call yourself an American, and you and you sit up sit up here, flat out disrespect the leader of this United States of America, and you call yourself American, and you and you 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 disgust me. You have no place here, as far as I'm concerned. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're despicable. There's nobody saying you have to agree with his, with his, um, you know, with his platforms or anything else. But the, the disrespect that some guys show, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I love how uh, President Obama has uh, lifted himself up above the stuff like the the, the whole controversy by the the birther movement. I love how he. Uh, 
basically ignored it as much as he could. And finally, he had to release his birth certificate. And still people um, mouthing off about it. And then, you know, he just still ignored it. So I, I think he handled it with some grace. That's the same thing I have to say. Like, you know, anybody that shows an amount of disrespect in general, you 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 are just one low level piece of crap in my in my eyes. Like you're just you're you're unpatriotic, you're disrespectful, and and you and you claim that you love this country, and you claim that you're all American and this that and the other. Look at how you act. You you act like a bunch of you act like a bunch of barbarians. You have no respect. You have no pride for this country. You don't have. You have no respect for leadership whatsoever. And you and you just you disgust me. You're despicable. Here's the president trying to fight for you, and most of you people sit up here and you trying to go against them, and, and you think that the other side's for you. And most of you can't even rub two nickels together. You can't. You you don't have a pot to piss in and a window to throw it out of. But you think the other side cares about you, and you're so caught up in as far as like you know, uh, you you're so easily swindled and bamboozled. You you think because they throw up a couple more moral issues and quote you a couple of Bible scriptures, you sit up here and think that that they are actually give a damn about you. And I'm sorry, if you don't, if you're not bringing the green to the table, you're not bringing money, you're not bringing, you bring not bringing financial investments, you're not bringing anything to the table, they don't care about you. The only thing they care about is getting into office and promoting their agenda, which doesn't include you, but but you're easily swayed by that. And, and you, you're, so con, you're so concerned about gun rights, and like I said, most of you guys, Ain't got a window to piss in and a, 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 a pot to piss in or a window throw out. You have nothing. You barely scraping by. Here's a president trying to get society back together and, 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 and build jobs and, and, you know, trying to help the least of these. But you guys want to go over here to the other side, you know, with these money hungry. Let me tell you how sick these people are. They were willing to. Allow, um, allow, you know, pretty much the economy to crash because they wanted to have things their way. They didn't give a damn about you. Nothing. See, that's what that's what sickens me, and I'm and I'm about sick and tired of it. And I'm really, you know, you just see the ignorance that people, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, you know, they, they're so quick to watch Fox News, and they think that that's just the, the you know, they just, wow. And that's, yeah. and that's something else I wanted to discuss, too, because me and Michael was discussing this earlier this week, how a lot of these people out here are, Fox News needs to be stopped. If they're going to be at station, if they want to do commentary, that's fine, but quit trying to mask the fact that you're a, a, a a station that's all about commentary and trying to put on the mask that you're a news organization because people are actually 
listening to this hate speech that you guys are spewing, and they're actually going out here doing stuff. Did you hear about that story about that man from Indiana, out of all states, of course, going to, uh, they said that he got drunk. He drunk about 47 beers and went over, he, he, he drove all the way over to Ohio, and he burnt down a mosque over in Ohio. I forgot which part of Ohio that he drove over and burnt this mosque down. And pretty much they asked him, like, do you even know any Muslim Americans? Do you know anybody that's Muslim? Do you know about Islam? He said no. He said, what is Islam? He said he doesn't know. He says the only thing that he knows is that he goes by what Fox News tells him. Wow. And he pretty much, and he pretty much felt that he was doing a duty because of what he he seen and heard from Fox News, and he felt that his source of news and education came from the Fox News network, which pretty much incited him to go do this heinous crime. And, That's they, funny. and this is not the only person either. They said that there were there's been several other people that have admitted to. Uh, being influenced to do this by watching Fox News. That's really interesting because the second biggest owner of Fox News is a Saudi Arabian. Hmm. Wow. After Rupert Murdoch, the second biggest shareholder in Fox News is a Saudi Arabian. Well, I'll tell you what. What he said, he sure couldn't tell. Again, people vote against their own interest. Oh, I think. Hello, Michael. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I did not realize that I had you on mute. Well, I had you been trying to my other phone died. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Okay, I was like, oh, my goodness. I said, said, let me make sure that I didn't have him on mute. But, yeah, have you been listening to what we've been talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, what do you have to say about uh, these news organizations like Fox News that pretty much incite this ignorance and the line of stuff that we... Well, I uh, have to say, first off, it doesn't surprise me. It's not a shock to me. Because there are, I'm here to tell you, there's some real fucking, whoop, sorry, <laughs> trying to keep it <laughs> easy. <laughs> Beep. Yeah, there's some, there's some really far, far right-wing weirdos out there. And, you know, some of the really crazy people out there, they're listening to now, I'm not going to say that everybody that listens to Fox or Rush Limbaugh is crazy. That's not what I'm trying to say. But there's some real weirdos that listen to them people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was telling them about that man that, that got drunk and went over and burnt that mosque down in um, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And, they, uh, and when they asked him why he did it, he said because he listened to Fox News. Yeah, I remember you and I talking about that the other day. When we did, I was like, wow, I said, well, I'm, I'm somehow not surprised. 
And that's why I said, man, if, if, if Fox News, they have the God-given why if they, if they want to make all the commentary they want, you live in a democracy, that's fine. But quit trying to cover up your organization as a news organization. And quit trying to make it seem like you guys are fair and balanced when you're not. If you're going to do right-wing commentary, that's fine. Yeah, and what wasn't there something else when you and I discussed that? Wasn't there something mentioned about, like, Glenn Beck and that as well? Yeah, there was another <laughs> Glenn one. Glenn Beck. <laughs> Glenn Beck. He's yeah. one of the funniest guys on TV. He's a clown. Yeah. You want to talk about the damn clown? Yeah, I mean. Chicken and grit. Let me shut up. I mean, how how bad do you have to get but when Fox News kicks you off? You know that's bad. Yeah, how bad have you got to be when Fox News kicks you off? Yeah. Man, that's just, you know. Now, who do you think is worse? Do you think that Glenn Beck is worse or um, Rush Limbaugh? Rush. You think so? Doesn't have to even think about it, Rush. <laughs> yep. These people are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I'll tell you that. Yeah, don't. Didn't even have to think about that. Rush has been at this game for a long time. He's been at this. He's been doing what he does for many years. And, you know, Glenn Beck, he hasn't been out there near as many years as Rush Limbaugh has. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as if you had to say which one scares me more, probably Rush. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find, okay, uh, I'm trying to find that story. With that uh, guy that burnt down that mosque, but I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. I it's a link, but I don't know. Okay, here it is. Um... I want to see if they mention anything about him. Uh, uh, I believe this is the guy that was on there. Uh, I'll read. I'll read part of it. Uh, okay, this is coming from Northeast Ohio. Um, Cleveland.com. I'm not sure this story is credible. Uh, this is off the fly, so forgive me, people. Um, this is called The Plain. Okay, this is written by Pat Galabasia from The Plain Dealer. And this story comes out of Toledo, Ohio. And then after this, we're going to jump into our last um, article, and then we're going to wrap it up. Federal prosecutors filed a hate hate crime charges Friday against the Indiana man who tried to burn down 
the largest mosque in Toledo area last Sunday. And I think this is a couple months ago, the story. But I, I just ran into it uh, when I was looking for it the other day. But anyways, Randolph Lynn, 52, was charged with intentionally defacing and damaging, destroying religious real property and using fire and explosives to commit a felony, said Michael Tobin, a spokesman for the U.S. Department of Justice. Tobin also said agents reported that Lynn tried to burn down the Islamic Center of Greater Toledo in retaliation for the recent attacks on U.S. embassies in the Middle East while Muslims in this country get a, quote, unquote, free pass. While being booked after being arrested last Tuesday and being read his Miranda rights, Lynn said explicit, fuck those Muslims, according to the filing. Perry, Perrysburg's town township police charged Lynn last Tuesday with an aggravated arson with aggravated arson of aggravated burglary and carrying concealed weapon but Stephen M. Dettelbach U.S. Attorney for Northern District of Ohio said that a prosecutor in Wood County would ask to have those charges dismissed in a deference to uh, federal charges Quote, we have zero tolerance for such violent acts of intolerance, unquote. Religious freedom is at the core of our country, and we will continue to aggressively prosecute such hate crimes. Although this violence took place in a mosque in Toledo, as Americans, we are all victims, unquote, he said. And I'm trying to skip on down. Uh, Let's see. Okay, they said that um, Yeah, I think this is the same guy they were talking about But I was looking to see if they mentioned anything about him Where he claimed that he got the idea of doing this from Fox News And I think this is the guy that they were talking about Because I've seen the story on Young Turks And they, they actually went into detail And, you know, said this, this guy was crazy So, yeah but that just goes to show you people are so ignorant in this country. And like he says, that he, he pretty much was trying to retaliate against Muslim Americans when you have to realize that there's different sects of the Muslim po- population. And the people that are carrying out these uh, these acts of terrorism are extremists. They don't represent the majority of the Islamic community. And this people like this are probably very ignorant, not not informed whatsoever on um the the religion of Islam and how it's actually a peaceful religion. You see what I'm saying? Right. Uh, and people just are just lot. the same thing as the, the are doing exactly the same thing as the people that they're trying to retaliate against. They're just doing Fundam, you know, performing fundamentalist, uh, you know, mindless attacks against, uh, you know, innocent people. Just, you know, they're saying, you know, it's basically, uh, you punch me, I'll punch you, instead of 
trying to uh, you know find an, another solution. I mean, this, this guy that went to Ohio to burn down a mosque, I mean, he's no better than uh, the guys that took over the the re- oil refinery in Algeria in res- in retaliation against uh, uh French's ac- or France's actions in Malia you know and you know he's just doing the same thing as um the same people he's supposedly retaliating against he's no better right Well, it's just like I said, it's just a really strong reality and people gotta realize the power of media and I think that these media organizations need to, to need to take that platform they have to take it more seriously because uh when they put this stuff out there then they try to mask themselves as a uh legitimate news organization and they start infusing this hate speech you don't know who's listening to this stuff and who's going to act on that stuff. So I just I really think that the media needs to be more mindful of what they put out there. And if you're going to be a station that that is about commentary, that's fine. But don't like I said, don't try to hide yourself as a legitimate news organization. That's all I'm saying. Which, I mean, it, when you look at the news, it's, it's almost impossible to find an or, news organization that's totally 100% objective, but Fox News is not objective whatsoever. Oh, no, they've never been. Yeah. But anyway, so we're going to um, jump right into um, another article, our last article of the evening from MSN News. Um, we're going to go through some of the highlights from Obama's inaugural speech. And some of these uh, quotes uh, deal with America's future, economic opportunity, entitlement programs, uh, climate change, energy, military, global politics, gay rights, and immigration. And um, when we, I'm going to jump into first, I'm going to talk about um, – on the gay rights issue because we were on that earlier. And one of the highlights that he, one of the quotes that they, they highlighted in his speech dealing with gay rights is, quote, our journey is not complete until our gay brothers and sisters are treated like anyone else under the law. For if we are truly created equal, then surely the love we commit to one another must be equal as well. And I really think that that really shows how progressive that he would, progressive he is, and um, and how serious his commitment is towards all Americans, not just straight Americans or um, heterosexual Americans, not just white black, but even the gay community. I, I think he's committed in um, seeing that all. Um, Individuals can take advantage of the rights that have been bestowed on them, and I don't know of any other president, as for, at least as far as I've been alive, that has really delved into these issues. So uh, that's one quote. And as far as um, immigration is concerned, 
Another quote that he made, one of his um, highlight quotes that they had for him was, quote, our journey is not complete until we find a better way to welcome the striving, hopeful immigrants who still see America as a land of opportunity. Until bright young students and engineers are enlisted in our workforce rather than expelled from our country. So what do you guys feel on the issue of immigration? Well, I think right after the election, you even heard the Republican Party going, okay, maybe it's time to fix that. Maybe it's time to work on that. They still haven't yet, of course, but they've they've seen how many votes they lost because of that section of the population going away from not you know not basically running screaming away from their Republican party. So at that point they're like, yeah, that's something we need to work on. We need to do it, but they still haven't tackled the issue yet. Yeah, and they're afraid like, that their their housemaids and their butlers are going to move to move back to Mexico. Right. And um, half the half they mean you paying half the minimum wage too. Is is that why they don't want to address it? Because like you said, they don't get rid of cheap labor, labor, or they're gonna get rid of yeah. I mean, is there some type of political gain or loss that they would suffer if they do address this issue? Well, no, they have a real a real issue. Um, if you if you uh, look at uh, let's say lettuce farming in California who is doing the the farming who is picking the lettuce in California it is uh, mexican migrant workers no american is doing that mm-hmm. uh the the guys that own those companies dole and uh whatever what are the other companies they're hiring mexican migrant workers those People coming to America from Mexico and other uh, countries that are willing to to do that work because it pays a hell of a lot more than they're going to get in their own country. But Americans send that, that money home and live off that money for a long period of time, and we we think of that little money that they make ain't nothing. But over where they're from, that that's a whole lot more. Yeah, but an American, find an American that's going to go out in the field that is like five, you know, ten square miles of nothing but lettuce and go with a knife and cut that lettuce and put it on a conveyor belt and do that all day, every day, six days a week. Hmm. That ain't going to happen. And if they do, they're going to have to pay them a whole lot more money. Well, right. they're not going to do it for seven bucks an hour. They're going to do it for ten, twelve bucks an hour, and they're not going to get that. There's no way. And migrant Americans are going to do that. So. Yeah, but you know, but this is my thing. You know, like I said, I've never been against immigrants. Cause we all are some form of immigrants. But my thing is, if you don't come over here, do it right. Quit trying to come over here and expect us to adapt to you. You know, quit you know, coming over here illegally and, and, and think that we're supposed to adapt to you. Then you suck up all our resources. Then you suck up all our, you know, all the benefits for the Americans and this, that, and the other. And we, you think that we're supposed to adapt to you. When, you. when you're making it bad for the people 
that are coming over here and that are doing it that are legitimate. No, I'm against illegal immigration, and something needs to be done about it. Uh, well, illegal immigration definitely needs to be uh, uh, corrected, but um, I, I think there's a systematic issue and, that is... commit a crime, and then you're not held accountable for it, or you do this and do that, and they can't do anything to you because you're not documented. I have a problem with that. I'm sorry. Uh, well, there's a, there's a, there's a systematic error in the whole in the in the the system the that is creating that problem. <laughs> the immigration system is just flat broke, and it does need revamp. Mm-hmm. Have you guys the, seen that uh, uh, debate between? Um, uh, God, what's his name? Oh, that Fox News dude, Frank Frank O'Reilly and or O'Reilly and uh, not Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly and Bill O'Reilly and uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Why I can't think of his name. He used to be on Twenty Twenty. Um, anyway, the the debate between these two guys was about a an illegal Im- immigrant that was driving, and he hit a a young girl, and she was killed. And Bill O'Reilly's argument was that it was all an issue about uh, illegal immigrants. And the, the the real argument, the real issue was that the guy was drunk and that he was driving while drunk, not that he was an illegal immigrant. Oh, I wish I could find that. I remember who. Geraldo Rivera. It was Geraldo uh, Rivera Geraldo. and Bill O'Reilly arguing. Geraldo uh, used to be on Fox back in the day. Oh, and the big argument was an illegal immigrant was driving drunk. He he killed a girl who was riding her bicycle or, or walking down the street while he was driving under the influence. And O'Reilly made it all the whole thing about illegal immigrants when the actual issue was drunk driving had nothing to do with illegal immigrants. So let me ask you, was the guy held accountable for what he did, or did he flee? Uh, I don't think he fleed, but the argument that Bill O'Reilly and the Fox Channel was setting up was that this is a good example for why uh, we need to be tougher on illegal immigrants. And the actual issue was not had nothing to do with illegal immigration. I mean... The person that was driving could have been an American, uh, uh, you know, could have been some, you know, white guy, white collar guy, college professor, or some guy working in a factory or whatever, driving drunk. Let me interject here. True, it has a lot to do with uh, drunk driving, and it is a serious incident, but 
there have been many instances where a lot of these, uh, a lot of these forms, like legal immigrants have hit um, kids, and then that they they they're undocumented, and you can't find out who they were, who who committed these crimes, and they flee the scene. It happens so many times. They cause hit and run accidents. They flee the scene. You you can't you can't find out who it is. Like it's no paper trail. You know it is it is partially to do with immigration. I feel because I mean this guy may have not gotten away, but I know several instances. I knew one in high school, um, in some apartments over here on the northwest side of town, where. This one, and I'm not trying to, you know, put this out against the Hispanic community, but this guy obviously was not a legal immigrant. He hit this young boy, killed him in an apartment complex, fled. They said they don't know if he fled back to Mexico. They don't know where he went. He lived in those apartments, but rumor has it that he fled and left the city, and they don't know if he he left the city and went back to Mexico where, you know, but they they knew for a fact that this guy was not even a, like a legal immigrant here, and that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of these a lot of these people, and they will say they don't have any, any insurance. You know, uh, they don't have a valid license. No valid license, nothing. So it does have something to do with that. I mean, in this particular case, it does have something to do with drunk driving. But we have to look at it realistically from a point of view. We got to look at it. From all angles You know because most of the time Like nine times out of ten If the person was a a, a, um, a legitimate citizen here It would be easier to find somebody that eat. And I'm not saying that Citizens here don't You know hit people and flee the scene But nine times out of ten It's going to be easier to catch up with them Than someone that's not even a documented uh, Citizen But don't you think with uh the passage of NAFTA during the Clinton era and uh, um, globalization and whatnot that we need to start uh, updating and adjusting to the new situation in which we are. I mean, Mexico is one of the biggest trading partners with America. Uh, We have... We've sent a lot of jobs down to Mexico, and Mexicans are coming back up to America but, but where else illegally. We and, can't go uh, anywhere else in this world and go. We can't go anywhere else in, in this world and do what they do. I mean, like, so why should it be any different than you know them coming over here? Like, as Americans, we can't. We gotta have papers when we go into if we even if we're just going over there to visit, we gotta have like passport. We can't even go to Canada now without having the proper paperwork and, and, and documentation. So why is it any difference for them? Why should it be? Oh I argue for the difference. You you can. You're just gonna be breaking no the law like, just why, like what, they what are what makes it any difference? Well, I mean it's 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 not it's, it's nothing positive coming out of it. With uh, with NAFTA and um, you know the North American Free Trade Agreement, um, we need to be able to adapt our immigration policies so that it is equalized with that uh, free trade agreement. 
and um, we're not we're not uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're not jiving with that. I mean, that's the best I can think of at the moment. Um, um, you know, we're 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 sending um, employment down to Mexico. But we're not letting Mexicans come back up here. We're we're sending factories down there. Um, we have corridors of transportation for goods between Mexico through America to Canada and back and forth. Well, you know, with the, the with the the NAFTA uh, agreement and. Uh, and the NAFTA agreement was great for trade and commerce, and you know, unfortunately, we lost a lot of American uh, jobs to NAFTA. But you know, okay, that's uh, business, commerce, and all that. We're talking about you know, though everyday, everyday life. Exactly, uh, you're talking about two that country and the way they things run down there is totally different than how we run things here. You know the the way they govern things and, and just the way they, just their laws in general is totally different in here. It shouldn't just be a free fall where they can just jump here and there without going through the natural process like any other country. Okay, sure enough, we trade with other countries, but does they give them a free right to just come and enter this country illegally? You know, or just have free reign to come and go as they please? Like no. Well, well, no, because we haven't uh, signed treaties with them, but we have signed treaties with Canada and uh, Mexico. And but if, still, if you are going to America follow the Kantian form of republicanism, then um, then if you if you follow the Kantian form of republicanism, republicanism, then there are free and open borders allowing for the. Um, flow of commerce, merchandise, and uh, people through those borders to encourage uh, commerce, economy, etc. I think that is what the spirit of the of NAFTA was was to encourage that, but. We have a lot of people in in America that are resistant to that and don't really understand that idea that the free well, flow of commerce I people. Think I think well, I mean, well, within reason, though. Like, I mean, well, what, I mean, you look. If you're looking at the whole thing from a, a point of view of a Mexican citizen, the Mexican citizen says, "I don't make crap for wages down here." I can backpack my butt across the border up there, and I can make a heck of a lot more money up there and send it back here. And you pretty much pulling money from our economy and putting it... No, I just... I don't know. I just, to me, no. I just... I can't accept that. I just... No. I mean, if it's one thing. If you're going to come over here and be a citizen, be a citizen. But don't come... Don't come into this country illegally. Okay, make this money and then take take our money out of our economy and put it in your economy and you 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 not no, it don't work like that. 
that's just that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not informed. But to me, it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. You but know, I don't know. I think when the Mexican citizen sees, I can go to the United States up here with a backpack and a few things, and I can make a heck of a lot better money and have a heck of a lot better living conditions than the country of Mexico has, you know, I think it's probably a pretty viable for uh, response for the Me- Mexican citizen to be like, well, I'm going to get me a backpack and hoof it on up there. Right. My, but my thing is, why is it, I mean, my thing is, we, we as Americans, we can't go anywhere else in this world and and and, and that's acceptable. Like, we, we can't just go into somebody else's, you know, country, you know, well, illegal. And, and I would suggest that, I would work. suggest that we are guilty for creating that situation. Then, if you do not want to sit, uh, go to the lettuce fields of California and pick lettuce as an American, then then and but you would rather w- go to the grocery store and buy a bag of lettuce than. What are you going to say? I mean, I'm sorry, but well, if you, I was anyway, what was you saying, Michael? Money, if I was out of work and I needed money, and they handed I'm me gonna do what I got to do. Yeah, and they handed me a knife and said, "Go cut cut heads of lettuce." I think I'd go cut heads of lettuce. Exactly. Ah, but I I remember like, uh, like there's, a year there's or so ago I heard of, all kind of dander. So I mean, you know what what difference does it make? Like. They're doing jobs, and there's Americans doing jobs that other people don't want to do. So you can't make it seem like there's not Americans that's not doing low. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it comes to feeding your family, I don't know what American that wouldn't do whatever job they need to do to take care of their family. So for you to say that only Mexicans are going to do those jobs, that's not even even true. Sure, sure. That that may be true. Um, if uh, if your back's up against the wall, you may w- may just as well do that. But um, many Americans don't take that option. They don't see that. They uh, refuse to do it. Evidently, they don't need money bad enough. Then exactly. <laughs> I mean, but either way, at the end of the day, the bottom line is the immigration policy here, it is broken. It does need fixed. You know, I do not exactly support what Arizona was doing, but I see why Arizona has a complaint. You know, I don't entirely support what they tried to do in Arizona, but at the same time, I see why Arizona is a little bit ticked off. Yeah. Or I'm not in Arizona, shoot. Uh, well, here in Indiana, well, yeah, uh, yeah, with yeah, our, uh, our uh, building of the uh, convention centers, wasn't there a, a push uh, one or two years ago to make uh, the convention centers English only, which was complete bullshit because if you're trying to make a convention center and make Indianapolis a center for uh, – Congregation of uh, different um, conventions, et cetera. You would want to make it 
multilingual, but they wanted to make it English only, well, which is a stupid idea because you, you're trying to attract business from China, India, France, Germany, uh, and so on. This is where I guess I have a biased opinion. Number one, it's Indianapolis. It's not Chicago. And it's Indianapolis, two, but if Indianapolis is trying to create a uh, convention center, uh, an international convention center. You need to have options for different languages. These people coming and, to and these... And I'm fine with that, but don't try to make it seem like it's only Latino people. Like... You know what I'm saying? Don't 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 make it. And it, this is my problem. Like I said, I don't mind us becoming like. I mean, we are a melting pot, and I see that. But first of all, English is the first language here. You see what I'm saying? So, so to any other country, we're going to have to know their language to get by. Okay, we're going to have to learn know their customs to get by. So why is it, if this is our first language, why do we have to always adapt to everybody else? What is that? I mean, I don't understand. Okay, this why is. Am a, forced, why, right. why am I being forced to learn? You know what I'm saying? You're not being I, forced I, to learn any other language. This is this is where are. I have a problem with Americans: is a cultural centric, Anglo centric. It's not about no cultural centric because we go to another country; they're going to be cultural centric. So why do we have to always adapt to everybody else? Nobody's adapting to I us. Know. If I go to Germany, I'm not going to, you know, I'm either going to pay a translator or I'm going to learn how to speak enough langu- of the language to get me by. It's their country. It's their language. That's just the reality of it. Um, you go to any 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 country, going to be cultural centric. You either adapt, you sink, or you swim. You go to Mexico, they, you either swing, sink or you swim. So why is it that we always got to adapt to other people? Nobody's adapting to us. I mean, that's my opinion. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. I had an argument with someone the other day. I said, uh, English is the official language of the United States. He said, it's not the official language. He said, nowhere is it written. I said, what language is law practiced in in the United States? It is practiced. Yeah, what language was the damn uh, Constitution and the Bill of Rights written in? English is the official language of uh, business internationally, but if you want to really do good business or do good uh, uh, political, you know, um, what's the word, whatever, it helps if you know a little bit of the other language. What I was trying to say is that what I was trying to say is that Indianapolis is trying to build up a uh, an a uh, industry for um, conventions and whatnot for uh, conventions, etc. It is a good idea to have multilingual signs, etc in different languages. Of course, a lot of these people that are going to be coming from these other countries, such as Germany, France, Spain, Mexico, China, Japan, Korea, Russia, and so on, if they can have 
signs, etc., that they're going to be able to read and understand. Um, a lot of the discourse is going to be in English, but it's going to help if you know their language to help them make make them comfortable. Um, the international language of business and commerce is English at this point in time. Hundreds of years ago, it was Latin. It was a different language than English. Hundreds of years ago, it was French. It used to be French because the French were the dominant. I think if you give it 50 years, it's likely to be Chinese. It doesn't matter. My point is that... um, We need to be able to be. Uh, uh, I've lost my point. Never mind. But anyways, um, that's fine for a convention. That's fine for when you're dealing with international business. But you talking about everyday business, like this people. It why? Okay, you, you talking about a regular mom pie store? Bit why? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on now, you. Why are you trying to, I don't know, like, I could see like a convention center or something like that when you're dealing with nas- international groups of people and you bring it, that's fine. But when you're trying to make the whole society, it, it just gets ridiculous. It, it's too, it's crazy. It's too much. And, like, it's just like, you know, you don't tell a mom pie business, you know, they're just trying to make ends meet. You know, you may tell them that they need to put their menu in all these different languages. It does it's I'm not saying that at all. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> Hello? I'm here. Oh, okay. Hello. Um let me say for example, um yesterday you know, I do tech support for a, a computer company. I had a customer who called in. Um, it was very obvious that their native language was Spanish. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a language barrier. I had to do my best to try and help them. I was able to finally get them to the point where I could get into their computer and start working on fixing the problem with the computer. It was not easy. Uh, I do not know Spanish. Um, And the customer was just barely functional in English. But... Yeah, this is a lovely time, I think, to interject. I have Google Translator on my smartphone. That's a big help. (laughs) That comes in rather handy sometimes. I'm not saying it doesn't help to know 
foreign language. I'm not saying that. Like, we should all be, you know what I'm saying? It's good to be diverse, and it's good to be uh, well-learned when it comes to things of that nature. But what I'm trying to, well, all I'm trying to say is, it's like, you know, we have to keep in mind, like, we're, we're sitting up here accommodating everybody else. It seems like we're always being the ones that accommodate everybody else, but you look at every other country, they're not doing what we do. You can't go in their country and tell them that they need to adapt to you. You see what I'm saying? Have you done any international traveling? No, I've known people that have. I, mean, I don't accommodate the English people to a certain extent, but still, you go to somebody else's country and you, you have to adapt to their customs and their norms. And I'm not saying some of them are not, you know, adapting to American customs and norms, but for the most part, you have to, you know, adapt to what they do. You can't come over to somebody's country and you're not documented. You can't come over there and expect them to just, you know, do this, that, and the other that we do for everybody. You know, uh-uh, it's not going to happen. So, anyway, that's how I feel. That's my opinion, so... You have something to say, Michael? No, I think I'm pretty much in agreement with you for the most part. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think we covered most of what I wanted to cover. You know, so it's after 12, so. Try to get back on a weekly schedule again. So it's been a thing at this point. It's just recording. I don't think it's uh, live anymore. And for those uh, people that maybe are listening but aren't located in the Indiana area, <laughs> in here around us, it is like bitter cold out here. What's up with the weather? We had like Nearly the other day, and now we're down to like single digits. Oh man, it's sub zero. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's something if you don't have to be outside in this weather, just please don't go out in. Please don't. Yeah, let me give up my little uh, public service announcement here. You know, if you have uh, animals outdoors like dogs, please make sure that they've got some insulating material in there. Uh, dog boxes, uh, you know, check on their water for them. You know, they obviously can't eat an ice cube very well. Uh, and if you, you have to get out in this weather, please realize that if it really does get to a 20 below zero wind chill, skin crystallizes very quick. Take appropriate measures to have your face and skin that's exposed covered. 
you know, protect yourself out there in the elements. Dress uh, and layer light, you know. Yeah, you know, use some precautionary measures to take care of yourself, and by all means, if you got pets, check on your pets. My girlfriend in South Korea is listening to the show. She can still hear us. Oh, okay. But we want to send a special shout-out to her, and we want to really appreciate you for listening and uh, just all the people that are listening and that are supportive. We just want to thank you all for all the support that you've given us down during the, through the years, a couple years we've been doing this. And uh, I just want to tell you this is our first broadcast of the year. We're going to be doing a lot more um, stuff this year, you know, while we're starting the year off, but you'll we'll see some changes this year. Um, we'll start having more interviews. We're going to start um, contacting more agencies and just bringing more guests on to educate and inform you guys on different things. Uh, I've been talking about this for some months, but I really want to get somebody on here that knows employment law uh, because I see now I'm seeing more of this going on now with the job market being so competitive. I think a lot of these employers, they feel that they can get away with treating their employees any kind of way, and they feel that uh, they have the right to do whatever they want to do, and people don't know what employers can and cannot get away with. And I want to try to get somebody that's um, knowledgeable on that. And just knowing your rights in general, um, I want to do a show on that. And just if you guys have any um, things that you want to talk about, you can contact any one of us. I'm pretty sure um, you can find us on Facebook. My name is Seneca Harris. That's S-E-N-I-C-A-H-A-R-R-I-S. You can contact Michael Snyder or Kane Naylor at, uh, on there. Um, I guess you can inbox them or uh, just just in general, if you want to contact us on Facebook um, for the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, you can do that. Um, you can inbox us there um, on our group page, or you can request to join our group page. And um, as I mentioned, we have a YouTube channel, and um, you can catch our shows for free. You can download them for free on Blog Talk Radio, or um, if you have an iTunes account, we're on iTunes as well if you want to download it that way. So there's, there's plenty of opportunities. We're going to be working on the website here soon. Just, you know, for now we're going to get a basic website up um, just to have a point of contact where you guys can just go and just access everything, from, you know, from one location. So um, that's about it. Uh, you guys have anything else? Not that I can think of. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. I want to throw this in before we go. I'm sorry. Um, this is just something smart. I just think that people need to adhere to, and I, and I mentioned this on my Facebook page, and if you guys want to join join me, just add me. So I always get some enlightening, enlightening things on Facebook, like quotes and stuff. But this is just a, a, a something that I, we were just talking about today, me and Michael, um, with all of these viruses and bacteria that's going on this time of year and flu and everything, this kind of refrain, this is just my personal opinion, this refrain from the buffets right now. Because uh, Seneca, you know my, uh, I already commented on that one. 
man. And, and I and I agree with you totally because I think in this society it does promote waste. It does. I, it, it not only does it uh, promotes like um, promotes like the spread of germs and viruses. I think it does promote waste too. Yeah, I, I just suggest right now until the cold and flu season passes, just refrain from going to these buffets and things of that nature, or uh, and just in general too, when uh, you go to these places, just I don't know, be exercise caution. Yeah, just be observant. Open your eyes and look around a little bit. Just go to the grocery store and buy your own food and cook for yourself. Come on. (laughs) I don't have to. I don't cook unless I absolutely have to. (laughs) Oh, come on, Michael. Come on. Cook for yourself. Oh, I can. You will enjoy your meal so much better when you cook for yourself. I live alone. I don't want to have to do all those dishes. <laughs> if I want to go out and have me a snack pack, that's what I'm going to do. But Seneca can testify to the fact that I can cook. Oh, yes. He, he, he's a very good hook. He, he'll make somebody a very good domestic partner. And um, By the way, he is available. So any of you good <laughs> if you looking for a fan that, that, have, that keeps a clean house and ain't got no damn bed bugs and no damn roaches crawling around and he's pimping you, man. Come on. No, I don't. I'm going to have to buy dinner for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good man right there. Uh, <laughs> I, I can cook, though. I just, I, I'd rather just live alone for a few years. I'd just really rather not. I'm like, gosh. If what I cook, it seems like if it fits in the microwave or in the oven and out on a baking sheet real quick, that's what it is. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> okay, Michael. I'm going to have to send you some recipes. Oh, believe me, I got them. I do. I used to be domesticated oh. with the pop of time years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to talk about some food? It's not too much you can educate him on. <laughs> yeah, I... I can cook. I'm one of those weird people that can actually cook and actually bake too. You know, I can do it. I guess it's just I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just lazy. I don't want to mess with it. Just <laughs> <laughs> yes, you gotta, you on the go and you got a crazy work schedule. Just you don't want me bother with it. Yeah. Yeah. And cooking is a lot more fun. Cooking is a lot more fun when you you have have somebody to do it for and do it with. Yeah, it is. I I mean, I think that's something because you, you think about every holiday season, like when Christmas and Thanksgiving comes around, where does everybody congregate at? In the kitchen. <laughs> oh, I really enjoy cooking for myself. Even, you know, I don't have someone else to cook for, at least at the moment. Um, but um, I I do like... You know, making a good meal of uh, some rice and some noodles or something like that. And... 
What's your specialty? What's your what's your favorite specialty? Uh, linguine, or no, 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 fettuccine alfredo with uh, broccoli. That's my favorite. Mm. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. That's my favorite. I can see why. I can see why. Well, we better call it a night, Sanger, before this turns into the Urban Coalition of uh, Freeland oh. Cooking Network. <laughs> the <laughs> Urban Culinary. <laughs> the Urban Culinary uh, Coalition. There we go. You <laughs> turned all our food in what we put like this. <laughs> My mother for Christmas got me some uh, uh, knives, kitchen knives to use. And which I needed some. My kitchen knives were starting to suffer worse from wear over the years. And when she got them for me, I kind of chuckled softly to myself and thought, well, that's like putting a new chandelier into a haunted house. (laughs) You know, you you can uh, try sharpening your knives if you take a uh, coffee cup, a coffee mug, and turn it Mm. upside down and and scrape the uh, uh, knife carefully along the, the underside of the coffee mug. Yeah. You can I, sharpen your knife that way. I've got a uh, knife sharpener built into my can opener, and it's not a very good way to sharpen a knife. I wouldn't recommend it myself, but my knives were a cheat set when I got them years ago, and it's amazing that they survived my domesticated years at all, because <laughs> I really put them to work back then. But they... Yeah, I thought, yeah, I could use a few more of those. Because Seneca will tell you, I, I believe in the almighty cookout during the summertime. Oh, right? but you ain't seen nothing. Grill, I, you want to talk about the master yeah. chef on the grill? Yeah. yeah. I process a lot of ribs during the summer, and my cleaver just isn't what it used to be anymore. <laughs> it need, we need a, I needed a new meat cleaver in here really bad. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, right. uh, yeah. Well, like I said, you want to talk about it's not too much. I, I, I can even educate him on. Yeah, well, yeah. Did, Seneca did educate me on grilling. Yeah, yeah. Well, Let me know. I'll be there. Keep us posted. I'm all for trying it. 
<laughs> oh man, Korean pickles are so good. I don't think I've ever had. Oh, kimchi and cucumber and potato. Oh, that's some good stuff. Mm. You know, I've never had Korean. You said it's going to be Korean. Oh, she she makes a oh she takes cabbage and mixes it with uh, hot pepper and, and mm. garlic and. Uh, Let's it ferment. Oh, you let it ferment, and it's uh, really good. Sounds good. So what kind of meats do she like? What kind of meats does she cook? Uh, chicken, some pork, some beef. Okay. All right. All right. Some yeah, noodles. Yeah. Oh, mm. I got some uh, Korean noodles. They're made from uh, uh, these noodles are made from uh, uh, sweet potato starch. They just take the uh, sweet potato and take the starch out of the sweet potato and make noodles. Oh, it's really good noodle. Oh. Sounds good. I have tried. Oh, I think. Kimchi. I've never had the real authentic thing, but I've had some of the what I call the fake stuff. <laughs> but it wasn't too bad. I wouldn't mind trying the actual authentically made stuff to see how different it is. Now, does she does she like um, use any seafood? I mean, is she really a sea like fan of seafood, or does she incorporate that in any of her dishes or anything like that? Oh, well, making uh, the kimchi, it's just cabbage with garlic and uh, um, hot pepper. Oh, Oh, wait, just a second. I guess there's a lot of their uh, cultural... Sungi, Sungi, tell us how you make uh, kimchi. Kimchi, well, cabbage is salt, anchovies, oh, anchovies, oh, honey, what is this, oh, Vietnam rice noodle, uh, uh, you, uh, you can add uh, anchovies, ah, fish sauce, fish sauce, mm. fish sauce, salt, garlic, Here? Yes, yes. Uh, she's been listening to the uh, show the whole time. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, what'd you say, Kay? I'm sorry. You oh. okay? Uh, Sung Yi has been uh, listening to this show the whole time. She said to make uh, kimchi, you take fish sauce. Okay. And salt and pepper, and mix it with the uh, the cabbage. Mm. And you let it sit for like it, it two or three days. Or I think you think of it as a Korean version of German sauerkraut. Oh, okay. Is that is that accurate, King? 
similar. Similar. I mean, I know with the cabbage only, the Koreans have a different approach to their seasonings, whereas the Germans have a different approach to theirs, and, you know, all kind of a... Yeah, you take some cabbage and you rub it with salt and the the chili pepper and garlic and uh, and all that stuff, and then you just put it in the fridge and let it sit for three or four days. That sounds good. Well, Seneca, was there anything else that you wanted to cover tonight? That's it. This one will probably um, jump off here and get up and go to work in the morning. Got to make, 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 I'm going to say, make these dollars, but I'm going to say make, make these coins. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm back to the grind tomorrow myself. Ah, uh, I have uh, tomorrow and Wednesday off. I am moving to my new apartment. I'm gonna. Yeah, that's fine. I'm gonna do some packing. Hey guys, when I get uh, moved into this new house and everything's set up. I would love for you guys to come up here and uh, let's hang out and do a, a broadcast from this place. Okay, this one. Sounds uh, great. Uh, Seneca, you and I talked about doing a live um, YouTube feed. We can probably yeah. uh, we can try and do that. Um, uh, also, you have that uh, RCC thing that you want to try and do. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Just let me know, because I know it's going to probably be, you know how it is about selling in. I know it's going to probably be some week, a couple of weeks before you even think about that. Just let me know for sure. All right. Well, keep me updated on uh, uh, what you got going on with that. And uh, uh, Michael, uh, try to uh, keep me updated with uh, what... What's going on with you? And uh, let's let's get it going, right? Okay, sounds good. All right. All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys um, pretty soon. Okay. Well, take care, everyone. Good night. All right. Good night. All right. I'm gonna log out, and uh, I'll 